Live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. It is the final hour of the show. It is a Tuesday with Thompson. The PT's here, brought to you by your Delaware Valley Acura dealers for great deals on Acura's award-winning lineup. Shop online at DelValAcuraDealers.com. Pete Thompson in the house, the veteran sportscaster. You know, they affectionately known in this area as the sports guy. Pete Thompson, sports guy. Is that how you would uh, recognize him as the sports guy? No, more like Pete Thompson. PT? PT. Peter? I remember my business cards. What have we done with cars? I'm hearing some Foo Fighters back there. He reappeared in time, and there went the defense. That's about all I got because I don't know that song that well, but I know it starts something like that. I like that, though. What did we do with Carson Wentz? That was a good start. Um, Yeah, yeah, it said the sports guy on his business card. He would hand out his business card, and it just said sports guy on it. Not the sports guy? Did it say the sports guy? No, you had to pay more for the word the, Hunter. That that cost more money. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) I was paying for these suckers. I mean, come on. So you said, what did they do with Carson Wentz? But what have they done with Nate Geary? What do we do with this guy? Oh, my God. If he was, you know, if it was livestock or something, you'd, you'd just take put him down, right? I mean, the guy is brutal, brutal. And, and how about that dance that Jim Schwartz did today to avoid all blame whatsoever? You know, I'll just push this over here, push this over here, and pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. I mean, it just... You know, I was thinking about this, too, about scrolling through some social media. Did you guys both see the Emmanuel Ocho breakdown of how bad that play was? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it just, you know, and I understand that he's trying to give credit to Big Ben for reading it, but then people are throwing back at him like, wasn't that the quarterback's job to exploit the weakest person? And I heard you say earlier, Gil, like, you know, it doesn't matter who they're playing. Whatever, Whatever the opposition is. Find number 47 and go at him because he's bad. There's no other way to explain it. There's no other way to explain it. I don't know how Jim Schwartz – I get it. He doesn't want to bury his guy. But I don't understand. Like, the explanation today, he says we had called – what we called was a good defense against what they had called, but Ben recognized it. Yeah, Ben saw 47 on the field, and he went right after him. I mean, how hard is that for, for anybody to see? Now, I, I thought I heard you guys say it was Jalen Mills, but wasn't it Nickel Roby Coleman? Who was the guy that was next to him basically telling Mills. him? Like, yeah, that was, that was Mills then. Okay, trying to basically tell him, like, dude, dude, like, hello. How could you not only be that bad, but then you're so locked in? It's not like the stadium was full of Steelers fans or you were playing in the Metrodome, or excuse me, whatever the Vikings play now, U.S. Bank Stadium or something like that. You, you weren't somewhere where you couldn't hear the guy next to you yelling at you what kind of zone are you going in and is it the phantom zone because that's where we need to send them you said what do we need to do with them send them to the phantom zone like it's superman josh is laughing at that he just goes forever and ever and never to be heard from again and this is a nebraska guy i'm ripping on so he must really be bad josh did laugh and he is still laughing as we speak 
Uh, I am at the point now, after a couple days of letting it settle in and, and I'm digesting what happened, you just have to call a timeout. Somebody needs to recognize that this play is going to fail. We are doomed. And in, instead of, like, the philosophy of we need that timeout later, it doesn't make sense because if they score based off of your personnel on the field or your zone coverage at that time isn't going to work, then that timeout doesn't mean anything. Somebody needs to step up and call the timeout. Is that Doug Peterson? Is that somebody on the field, someone needs to recognize that a new play has to be figured out there. Pretty bush answer by Schwartzy today, too, by the way, saying the head coach calls timeouts. I don't call a timeout. Uh, dude, you've been a head coach in the league. You are the defensive coordinator, and you can look at the field and recognize, uh-oh, SpaghettiOs, we're about to get burned. Call. I don't care who calls it. If, if you know, in, in basketball, it doesn't matter. In other sports, it doesn't matter. If you, you know, there's all kinds of safeguards in sports for when you realize you're about to give one up. You're about to give up something easy. You you, you make a adjustment and you call that timeout. I, and for Schwartz to say like. Well, that, that's not me. Uh, dude, yeah, it is. It's your defense. You're the one that's supposed to realize that first and foremost. Yeah. That, that ticks me off. And as for Nathan Geary, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. That's what I have to say Goodbye. for him. I mean, I am. I, I don't understand how. And I get to the point, seriously, uh, Pete, where I'm wondering if Schwartz is, like we were laughing about the Phillies where Girardi – just kept putting workmen in the game because he's like, dude, this is what you gave me. If Schwartz right. is doing the same thing, like you gave me Geary, I'm going to keep playing him because this is all I got. Yeah, and I heard you ask that in football at four. And, and you know, you, you almost think, though, at the end of the day, is Schwartz that vindictive? Is that something that he does? Like, I'm going to keep running this guy out even though I know he sucks? I mean, you would think, too, that ultimately then doesn't that affect Schwartz's future and his job if you keep running out substandard players? Uh, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think that they're going to fire Howie and not you? No, they're going to clean house of everybody. So so I don't understand that that logic. I mean, but, but I, I see your point. I mean, it's possible. I just... I'd like to think that the def- a defensive quarter in the National Football League is not so petty as to, I know this guy sucks, you know this guy sucks, but I'm going to keep running him out there to exploit that fact. Well, you, you, wonder, you wonder, PT, uh, in Philadelphia, we have this innate ability to judge a guy whether we like him based on personality, right? We, we, it doesn't matter yeah. whether the guy's any good. We don't like your face. We have a bad personality. Jim Schwartz is an unlikable guy. So I feel like that plays into, you know, Gabe Kapler was just an unlikable guy. So we just didn't like him, even though his team was no worse than Joe Girardi's team. But we like Joe Girardi. So Girardi was a great manager and Kapler was awful. Meanwhile, they had the same record. Schwartz is an unlikable guy. And not only that, his philosophy doesn't match up with what Eagles fans lust for, right? If you think of the Eagles defensive coordinators that have been revered, and I, I put Buddy Ryan in that group because he was essentially the defensive coordinator that happened to also be the head coach. But if you think of Jim Johnson, you think of Buddy Ryan, you think of defenses that have been strong and revered, they're defenses that get after the quarterback. And Jim Johnson doesn't – or Jim Johnson. Jim Schwartz doesn't necessarily do that. Like, his base plan is – if we don't get pressure with the, we're going to try to get pressure with our four, and then we'll leave our corners out on the island and see what they can do. And, and obviously, they're not doing it. I mean, they certainly weren't doing it with the linebacker there in Nate Gary. I mean, that was awful.
Yeah, I might be in the minority here, but I actually like Jim Schwartz, and it's crazy to me that everyone talks about how obvious his scheme is. And they're right. This His scheme is ridiculously obvious. With that being said, 2017, top four defense. 2018, top nine defense. So those two years, you're talking about top five and top ten defenses in the league. Last year, it was, top, it was the 15th, which is average in the league, but... His scheme works. To me, Jim Schwartz, I'm not saying he's elite. I'm not saying he's like this fantastic, insane defensive coordinator. But he's a good defensive coordinator in this league. He might be the one that gets snipped at the end of the season because they're going to want to make a change and it won't be Doug or Carson. So it will be Jim Schwartz. But I do think that the Jim Schwartz hate is very overblown. And he has a good scheme. Right now, though, the personnel is just horrendous. The personnel is poor. I'll give you that. And I don't hate the guy. I mean, look, sometimes he has some of the more entertaining answers at his weekly press conference and some of the more uh, entertaining media sessions. That said, you know, uh, you know, here's an example. Okay. I didn't like the Jim Schwartz sticks defense when I first saw him play that defense. And then the more I watched it, the more I thought, well, it does make sense. I mean, you know, you it can get works. up anything underneath. It, it does work, you know, and statistics show that it works. I mean, there's always going to be anomalies, and there's always going to be times where it's third and 15 or third and 18, and the other team does pick it up. But if you're jamming eight, ten people at the line to gain and basically saying, take anything you want underneath, and then we'll come get you, that works. I mean, there's an example of something I didn't like from Jim Schwartz, and, and now I'm okay with it. But Really, I mean, look, here's what we're we're not talking about today. We're talking about Nate Gary getting burned. We're talking about Jim Schwartz and his philosophy. The Eagles' defensive line had one stinking sack, and the Steelers had one of their starting linemen go out of the game right off the bat, and they still finished with one stinking sack. Like, as the defensive line goes, the defense is an overall goes, and they did not get the pressure that they needed to get. I understand Ben gets rid of the ball in a hurry. He's a veteran quarterback. He makes good decisions to get the ball out in a hurry, but you got to get more than one sack, especially if you've got a weakness to exploit. Uh, well, um, it's so funny because <laughs> now you're playing a team with uh, Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, uh, Mark Ingram, a big bruising running back, and all I keep thinking is, Next week, Schwartz is going to have to get up there again and, and get questions about how Geary got ran over and how Geary can't keep up with Andrews and how Geary couldn't keep up with uh, Lamar Jackson. I mean, I feel bad. I must feel bad for this guy by now. Yeah, and I heard you asking about, like, you know, where are these people? Like, where is, like, is, is Stuart Bradley that bad that he can't play? I mean, where are Not the linebackers? Stuart Bradley. Sean Bradley. Well, I'm sorry. Sean Bradley, Stuart Bradley, I'm going back uh, eight years. Sorry. I was thinking Josh Rod Stewart. really laughing. Josh is laughing so hard that I can hear him laughing yeah. through my end of the phone. Um, <laughs> but you understand my point, which is that, you know, they're, they're completely... That's right. John Clayton called J.J. Ortega Whiteside Whitehead. So that's how little he's revered, revered around the league. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Claire is still called. They want that line. They want that uh, defensive guys to uh, off receive right, You should have stopped Sean. while you were ahead. I was trying to make a joke. Sean, here's your here's your guys, right? Sean Bradley, Nate Geary, Alex Singleton, TJ Edwards. That's it. Are you kidding me? You put all four of them together, I don't know that you get a starting NFL player. That's the problem. You know, and, and listen, when I'm watching another NFL football game and I hear like uh Camus Gruger Hill's name come up and I'm actually waxed, I'm like, Oh, I missed that guy. Are you kidding me? I missed that guy, you know? I'm missing a guy 
who wasn't even like he was best known for what a good kick one time. He had a good kickoff one time, right? I mean, you got to be kidding me. And yeah. those guys are more talented than what we have right now in our in our linebacking core. Yeah, if I remember correctly, he made a statement before that Dallas Cowboys game, and then off the kickoff, he was the one to force the big fumble that they did not overturn. That it was clearly obvious that three Eagles were on them. But you know, it's interesting listening to DeCheco talk, and you mentioned you were listening at Football Four when he was talking about Davion Taylor. He honestly gave me a a mindset of what they did with Davion Taylor in the third round is essentially exactly what they did with Jordan Maialata in the seventh. And it's just unacceptable to do that in the third compared to the seventh. And But look, if if Jordan Maialata, who was a project piece in the seventh, becomes your starting left tackle, could you make the argument that, hey, if they do the same with that linebacker in three years, they'll be good to go with that position? If you can afford to wait, I mean, that's the problem is that, you know, it's one thing when you, uh, every four, you know, five uh, starting linemen and five backups and then a couple more backups, you know, you've got 10 to 12 guys that you keep to have enough healthy bodies. It's another thing when you're talking about a linebacker position and you don't have that much depth there to begin with, you, you can't. You can't stash a project on there. You can't take Davion Taylor and wait two years for this guy to mature into what you think he's going to be. You don't have the time to do that. And we're seeing that right now as Gary gets burned time and time again. Or, you know, I mean, Duke Riley, look, the guy, you know, he looks good out there. But has Duke Riley made a play that's made you go, hell yeah. You know, I mean, the, the play of the linebacking core for the entire season is Alex Singleton's pick six. And that's it. Yeah, well, the pick six was there. There was a fumble in the last game in this game. Yeah, that was Duke Riley. Actually, it was Ebron who fumbled it. Duke Riley. It wasn't like he really forced yeah. it. He was just happening to be there, and it happened when he was there, kind of thing. Yeah, but they finally got a turnover, and then you thought they actually got another one, right? You thought they almost got the second one on that one where Geary actually picked it up. Well, what was the Alex? So in the game where Alex Singleton had to pick six, that was San Fran, right? What was the other yep. turnover though? Because there were a couple. Who had it? Was there an interception? Was there something? What happened? Someone had an interception, right? Was, oh, Pick fumble? Six was in that San Francisco game. There was a Cra- fumble in that. Cravon LeBlanc maybe forced a fumble. There was there was Avery two last game, wasn't there, against Pittsburgh? Are we all confused about how many turnovers there were? This is crazy. Well, that isn't like well, they had a problem there for a while, but in the game against they had the they had uh, it wasn't an interception. It was a fumble recovery they had okay. against Pittsburgh, right? And then the game against. San Francisco, they had two interceptions. Were there two? Alex Singleton and who else? I don't know, but I think Mullins, I'm pretty sure, threw two interceptions. Oh, Rodney McLeod. That's correct. Okay, I'm just trying. Look at us. We're baffled by how many turnovers. We can't even get our mind straight. It's crazy. Yet we're still ripping the defense because it makes no sense. Well, the defense well, has been the defense because the defense is what cost you the game. Right. I mean that, and none of us. There may be three of us not remembering how many turnovers they were and where they came. All three of us agree that the defense cost the Eagles the football game. All right. Well, then at the beginning of the season, did we think the defense was going to be a problem? We didn't think it was going to be this bad. Did we think it was going to be a problem? Well, well, here, here's the here's the issue that I have, Mike Gill, is that we spent the entire offseason, and, and when we got into this COVID situation of is there going to be a preseason, there is going to be a preseason, that's okay because, you know, the Eagles have the most stability. You know, Doug Peterson and Jim Schwartz and, you know, these guys, and they know the system. Little did we know that stability at the coaching staff doesn't mean bookish when your talent sucks. And, and that's really the issue to me. Is that, you know, 
they weren't able, no preseason meant they weren't able to gel, but nobody else is able to gel either. The defense cost him that football game, and you know Jim Schwartz is the head of that defense, so that's why he gets a lot of my anger. I also think heading into the season, we convinced ourselves, which we seem to do a lot, like oh Jalen Mills would be great at safety, Avante Maddox would be great against on the opposite side of Darius Slay. Like we just convinced ourselves that these players would work out in these new roles, and when you look at it, I didn't think Avante Maddox was strong. I didn't think Jalen Mills was strong at safety. We knew the linebacking core was going to be bad, but we didn't expect it to be this bad. We just kind of convinced ourselves that these holes would work because they moved different players in different areas when that just wasn't the case. So I guess shame on us at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, you, you just you sort of overrate people. And I know obviously Avante Maddox is uh... – Got his injury issues. Now Darius Slay's in the concussion protocol. I mean, if anything should scare the heck out of you coming out of this game going into the Baltimore game, it's the fact that Darius Slay is probably the best guy in the secondary. He is the best guy in the secondary. And now he's questionable for the Baltimore game because he's in the concussion protocol. Are you kidding me? You're already bad. Once you get past the Eagles, look, the Eagles defensive line, as we know from the number of sacks they've had, whether it's Barnett or Sweat or Jackson or Hargrave or Cox or Ridgeway or Graham or Avery, Whoever it is back there on the D-line, whoever those guys are, one of the four, one of the eight, whatever, you're, you're doing your NASCAR rotating. That isn't the problem. When you get past the defensive line and you start to go into the secondary of linebackers and corners and safety and right corner, left corner, I mean, that's where you're like dumpster fire. Oh, my goodness. Bring on the hoses. We're, we're going to need more water. This is burning. Well, it doesn't get any easier this week with the Ravens here. Uh, Pete Thompson, Tuesday with Thompson. Right here on the Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Uh, boy, I, I do want to get your thoughts on Gustafson. I, you know what? I was a little upset that uh, I thought they were going to go after Schmidt or the guy from Vegas. You know, once Petrangelo went to Vegas and that guy was available. Now, you know, we don't know. Maybe, I mean, there's a possibility, I suppose, that the Flyers were on his list, but I don't think so. I mean, he ended up going, I think, somewhere else in the West. He stayed in the West. Gustafson, to me, compares or is comparable to Shane Gossespierre. He's kind of a puck-moving offensive defenseman. He's not really the, you know, if, if that's your guy that you're holding up, saying we're holding him up to replace Niskin, and well, you totally went in a different way. You know, and now you have two Shane Gossespierres. Does that mean you have somebody that's interested in Gossespierre and you're going to get something else? I mean, the only thing that made sense was I did see Sam Carcini talk about the fact that the expansion draft is coming up, and because that's why they very much wanted somebody on a one-year deal. Anybody else they would have got would have had two years, three years, maybe four years left on their contract here, and then they'd have to expose somebody like Oscar Lindblom. Look, you know, I guess that would be such a Philly thing. To me right now, I sit here and go, sure, expose Nolan Patrick. That's fine with me. Nobody will take him. But the reality is is it's Philly, and they'd expose Nolan Patrick, and then he'd go somewhere else, and all of a sudden, like, Mark uh, Foltz's problems would go away, and he'd be a solid player somewhere else. Wouldn't that be so Philly? Absolutely. I'm I'm okay with the signing. I, I don't think that they anticipate him to fill a Matt Niskanen-type role. The expansion draft is definitely a valid reason to go in this direction. And the cap, you look at how much he's on the books for now. It, it's I was talking to Kevin Durso about it. If you add up Justin Braun and Gustafson and you combine them together, you know that was what Matt Niskanen's contract was. But I do think now that Ghost is going to be traded, and I also feel like there's a hole 
with Provorov. I don't know if moving up a Sandheim with Provorov or putting even, you know, Gustafson in there with Provorov, if that's going to be enough of a good defensive core. So, well, don't forget Phil Myers. I think Phil Myers is the guy that they're targeting to put up with Provorov on that top pairing. You know, would that they, make you feel comfortable uh, though? Because I don't know if I'm that well, comfortable with not, it. It's not Niskanen, but you know, if you think Provorov has turned the corner after playing with Niskanen and understands more about when he can gamble and when he can't, and how you know, and Provorov's always been able to log the minutes. If you get that together, then you know, Gustafson's an established NHL. You put him with Sandheim on the second pairing, and and then I mean, maybe. You throw him on the third with Robert Hagen there. Look, you got some room to play with who goes where, but the, the bottom line is this was a money deal. This was a deal also to protect themselves for the expansion draft that's coming up. Does it light the needle? No, but hey, you know what? People thought they overpaid for Kevin Hayes last year, and he turned out okay, so I just have to have faith. You know, I'm, I mean, Look, I was a little bummed, too. I mean, whatever that team, I forget, and I want to say, maybe it was Anaheim. I want to say, whoever it was that got Schmidt from Vegas, all they gave up was, like, draft picks. I mean, Vegas was like, we got to get this salary off our books. So that that ticks me off, but, you know, hey, look. He went to Vancouver, I believe. That's it. I knew it started with a, I knew it was in the West. I knew that. Hey, That's P- about as much as I knew. PT, uh, the Eagles are going to allow fans back in, 7,500 people. Now, that includes players, coaches, media, and, uh, you know, workers. So, you know, there might be about 7,000 fans in there. Uh, would the PT attend a game? So my dad, who is a season ticket holder since 1973, forwarded me the email from the Eagles today. And his he sent it to me and my brother, I think. It said, any interest in this? You know, and it's all kind of like the ticket window opens up tomorrow. There's no guarantee you will get tickets. My dad's seats are in row six of section 135, and the first six rows are tarped off. So what does that mean? They put them in seven. You get, like, one seating pod. You can get two, four, or six based on availability and all this stuff. I mean, you can't resell them. You can use the money out. You know, I mean, so his window is tomorrow from 9 to 11. I just wrote back to him and said, I'll watch it on TV. You know, I mean, is there interest in going? Sure, but maybe not this Sunday. All right. Well, so you would go to a game. Oh, I absolutely would go to a game, 100%. I mean, I'd be sitting with my dad if it was just me and him for two of us. Yeah, sure, no, I, I, you know, some people are, you know, the, the, the Steelers were allowed 5,500. They couldn't get 4,500 in that place that people weren't going. I mean, I guess some people just aren't ready to uh, be in a crowd like that. And, boy, it sure is nice when you, you don't have to drive up anywhere and, you, you know, you're oh, not man. leaving four hours ahead of time and your big screen TV looks fantastic. And well, I'll tell you, I've been it. to, uh, well, it was at the vet, but I went to a West Virginia Temple game and there was probably about 7,500 people there. <laughs> <laughs> so. oh, I've, been to some, I've been to some Temple football games at the vet where there are more chairs than people. Oh, 100%. yeah, no I'm doubt. Right there with you. So I know what it's like to be in a stadium that's pretty darn empty like that. All right, Peter, it's a uh, Tuesday with Thompson here on the Sports Bash. And it's brought to you by Matt Kia. They want to get you approved today. Matt Blatt, 6211, Black Horse Pike in Egg Harbor Township. We'll get Pete's pick on Friday for happy hour Friday. And then we're going to see you on Saturday, PT. Yes, sir. Looking forward to that. The uh, big uh, MG soiree. I'm looking forward to it, buddy. I will be there. PT will be there. Hunter, Josh, Frank Close, Billy Schwein. Is this a yearly thing? Oh, boy. 
Is it a uh, Well, he just said thing? the annual, unless I heard that wrong. Well, I've it? only lived at the house for one year, so maybe it will uh, be an annual <laughs> thing. Uh, not, not to put pressure on you or anything, but. Yeah. No, it has not been annual, but, uh, you know, this is one. And uh, Let's see how we it goes. have shifts of, like, it's shifts. Like, family's coming early, then uh, girlfriends, friends. Like, we're doing it so, like, there's people that all there at the same time. You know, people will be spread out. We got tables kind of all over so you know it'll be nice there's some people uh that will be that will uh that we have coming as a surprise for you pt oh i love it i love surprises well i will be there and i'm looking forward to it bring a bring a hoodie does this mean by the way okay one thing that you'll never see is pt ah i mean pt never wears a dungaree never denim khaki shorts always a khaki or blue uh pant Slack, yes. Yeah. yeah, always a slack. He'll never go dungaree. Never seen PT. I've seen him wear jeans once. Where was this? Yep. I forget, but he wore them once. But my request, PT, is maybe show up with a pair of jeans on and a hoodie. I'd have just, to go I'd have to go buy some, just, and I don't wear hoodies. Just but, jeans yeah. and a hoodie. That's all. Just like a jeans and a hoodie look. What's wrong with the hoodie? Just don't wear them, man. I'm, I'm usually run hot. There's no reason for me to. Well, it's going to be a little chilly Saturday. You going to go uh, turtleneck? Nah, you know I have a nice flyers coat that I could probably wear wow. if I get a little chilly. All right, here's a here's a question for the uh, people out there. Billy Schwein, go turtleneck with a um, with a uh, sleeveless sweater, argyle. <laughs> I think Billy Schwein's going locker room with Billy Schwein attire. Wouldn't surprise oh, yeah. me. I feel like he goes. Turtleneck, uh, sleeveless sweater, argyle print on the front. Green argyle. If he wears this, something's going to freak me out. Yeah. Schwein goes uh, dungaree. Oh, yeah. I could see Schwein. He's a denim dungaree. guy. Yeah, I could see Schwein denim going Denim guy. Dungaree. You know what else Schwein goes? There's a lot of answers to this question. So what Schwein are, goes. What are you saying? White sneak blue N. Oh, yeah, he does. <laughs> yes, he, he does. Master three yes, yes, he will go white. And if he shows up to my house wearing white sneaks, blue N, I'm handing him the spatula and say, buddy, flip me a burger. <laughs> I mean, he has got burger duty right away with those kicks on. Sometimes, though, it's the Nike version. Yeah. You know, Nike blue N or blue Nike swoosh. Yeah. I don't think Nike. I don't think uh, Schwein supports Nike though. Fair point. Yeah, I don't think he's going Nike anymore. I think he's uh, bailed on that product. But that might. No, he's going blue end. He'll go. He'll go New Balance. Kawhi is a New Balance guy. Yes, he is. Yeah. So maybe uh, Schwein might bail on them too. Who knows? All right, Sports Bash Live PT. We'll talk to you Happy Hour Friday. Yep, looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. Yeah. All right. He uh, like all guests appear via the boardwalk. Honda Hotline. All right, we got five still to come. We've got uh, baseball games tonight. Rays can go up 3 0. Wow. Man, I can't wait. I hope the Rays win it all. Raisins. Yep, definitely. Not even close. There's not even another team that gives me any interest in this in this thing. Viewing interest? No, I don't care about the Dodgers at all. Don't care about but the Braves at all. That series is awesome, though. Yeah, I just don't, those teams don't push my pile. No? No. I might even go baseball main TV tonight. No, nah, football. I'm into the game tonight. Well, this game's so good in terms of who's battling it out. I might start that way and see where it takes it's me. good game tonight. Yeah. Yeah, Tuesday night football is better than all. Back with more. This is the radio home for Philadelphia Eagles football. This Sunday, the Eagles host the Baltimore Ravens at Ash on 97.3 ESPN.
533, the Sports Pass is brought to you by GMS Law. Make the right call. Four convenient locations to serve you at gmslaw.com. Got Tuesday Night Football right here on 97.3 ESPN. It is coming up. Bills and uh, Titans. That's the game tonight. It's a good one. Two undefeated teams. You can hear it only right here on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's football station. We got anytime hotline calls. We didn't get to them all yesterday, so we do want to play some more of the people who called in. If you take the time to call in, leave a message, text the board, we do want to play and react to it. So let's get back to uh, some of the calls we never got to yesterday. You ready? Yep. I'm not even mad. You know, we played a really good defense. Uh, Our defense gave up a lot of points. That last touchdown they scored, we put... Nate and Gary on a guy that already scored three touchdowns on us. That Carson Wentz interception, I feel like it was his fault, but then there was a legal contact on Zach Ertz. And speaking about Zach Ertz, it's almost like he's given no effort. Like, he's not even trying. Instead, our best wide receiver is a guy that's been cut four times and a guy that played quarterback in college. That is funny. I, I tweeted that out, that the, the best guy you got – you know, has got caught multiple times, and the other guy was a quarterback. I mean, that's a problem. He mentioned, though, that, that he's not concerned because they scored almost 30 against a good team. And I think that that's fair, right? Like, that's one of my takeaways is because in the first couple of weeks, we were so disappointed in Carson Wentz, and we didn't really know the direction of Carson Wentz at that point. He wasn't just playing average or just, like, below average. He was playing horrendous. The only quarterback who had a worse QBR at the time was Kirk Cousins, who was also playing horrendous football. So when I look at this game, I'm not mad that they lost either. It doesn't really crush me. I need to see Carson Wentz because he's the big question. What is Carson Wentz? Who is he? And I just like the fact that he keeps building off of each week, and hopefully the build continues to happen to the point where we believe in this guy again. I want to. Yep, I I, I told you last week I thought he played good, but I thought he had the ability to be great. I want to see great. 20 and 35, to me, that needs to be better. 15 incomplete pass, 57%. That's being, and me saying good at 57% is being kind, I think. Yeah, I, I just think the box score doesn't really tell the full story. It's a lot of Carson Wentz's games throughout his career. I just feel the box score never really truly shows whether he plays better or not from the previous week. Meh. Go back and look at that uh, 2017 year. You might, uh, well, you might I mean, change that, your opinion. That year is the outlier as a whole out of him. But just in terms of throughout the last couple of, like even when he was lighting it up with the practice squad guys at the end of last year, it, it wasn't like, you know, you have these monstrous, insane, like big, huge games. It, it just never comes out that way on the stat sheets afterwards, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think I, I'm trying to go back to last you, year. Fifteen incompletes is not. Ideal. I mean, to, to be fair, last year those final games he had 310 yards, 325, 319, 289. Uh, the completion percentage 77, 69, 66. I mean, he had some of his best games were the ones like 57 is low. In fact, last year he only had, well he had a game of he, against uh, New England. He was 50, 20 of 40. He had one other game. He was 19 of 36. That was the game they lost to the Lions, 52%. I mean, 57 in today's game. 
That's pretty bad. But th- but that's my point. You are correct. That is bad, but he played very well, in my opinion. Like, I don't think that that stat really shows how well he played because if you just told me those numbers, I'd be thinking, damn, Wentz had a tough night. But he didn't. He had the he had an opposite, in my opinion. Not that it was elite by any means, but I walk no, away again, satisfied. Say, again, I, and I say I'm a tough grader. I don't want just good from Carson Wentz. I want great. He can be great. He should be great. If I'm just saying he's good, that means I'm disappointed. But I don't... Le- being just good for this player leaves me disappointed. That's all. That's me. Being good doesn't mean he was bad. He played good. But for me, good is disappointing because I know he's better than good. I'm with you. It's because you know the talent's in there, and I'm not disregarding that. But I think it just shows you how flawed stats can be because those stats would say bad and he played good. You know, 57%, like, that's bad. It's not but, good. Yeah. But you're admitting he played good. So that just I just want to make sure that people realize that the box score cannot tell the full story because whether you're satisfied or not with good out of him, I think that just shows and proves to you that a bad box score Which, doesn't normally Yeah, because if he story. plays a great game, they probably win that game. I hate to say it. They probably put up more than 38 points. Oddly enough, to ask for that, it's not fair. But it was possible, and we heard what John Clayton said. That's the league right now. That's the way Seattle's winning. That's the way Green Bay's winning. They're giving up a lot of points, but their quarterbacks are playing at levels that are just scoring more. They probably could have won that game 40-38 if he played great. Sure, and I also think that comes with you know who's out there as well. And While people want to look at Aaron Rodgers and his weapons, I hate to break it to everyone, Carson Wentz isn't Aaron Rodgers, so it is a little bit different with that. It's it's like, okay, do we expect Fulgham to have 14 catches for 190 yards, and that would have been the difference? It's just a, it's a tough ask with the, with the weapons and the limitations of them all. All right, let's play some more. That was absolutely embarrassing by Jim Schwartz. I don't, I, I, I don't even know anymore, dude. Nate Gary, this bum needs to be cut yesterday. And Schwartz, I don't know. He needs to be gone, too. At least Fulgham looks like a beast. I like, he was so frustrated at the end. He was like, I guess Fulgham looks like a beast. Um, yeah, I mean, Geary, I think we've we've hit on that today hard. He stinks. <laughs> There's no two ways around it. Yeah. Geary's a problem, man. He's a problem. And I think he's a locker room problem. I think it's demoralizing if you're Sean Bradley, if you're Alex Singleton, if you're Davion Taylor, and you can't get on the field watching that guy play, and you still can't get on the field, that's demoralizing. I would like to think you are correct with that. Yeah, I mean, I don't want that to be the case, but I do agree that you see this guy out there, you know he's crushing even you Even if over you're not better again. than him. You know what I mean? Like, even like... I don't know if there's a linebacker who's worse than him. But I'm saying, like, even if like you're not better than him... The, for, the sheer fact that you could be that bad and still not be replaced. What does that say to everybody else? I think you're onto something with Jim Schwartz kind of playing him to make a statement. But I just want to touch on one thing real quick with Fulgham. If he doesn't play well next week, like right now it's awesome, Fulgham, look how great he was. He was going to get the ball. What if he just gets shut down and he is who he is and it's not? like The anticipation to see him is somewhat intriguing for most of us, I would say. What if he's not who he just showed us and now it's, well, what do we look forward to now, you know? Well, and I, I, I want to stress to people, if he doesn't play well this week, that doesn't mean that he just automatically stinks. Like Jefferson, a rookie receiver who everybody loved, the first two games, he did not play well. The second two games, he did play well. Last game against Seattle, he did not play well. 
you're not playing well every single game at wide receiver. Some weeks you're just not in the game plan or they take you out. So you can't just say, make an assertion. You can't make an assertion that he's great after two. You can't also say that he's going to stink if he doesn't play well in the third. That's true, especially going up against the Ravens defense. Uh, let's hear some more. Over at the end of all this, we all realize the Eagles just really aren't that good. The problem is we're just aging. We're aging into a bum team. And what I mean by that is you got Djax, Alshon, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Malik Jackson, all that money on that defensive line. We're not getting it done. This team isn't going to compete with what they got. Once we lost to the Rams, I realized this team ain't going to do nothing. So we got to move these guys, Ertz, Cox, Graham. I would trade all these guys for picks. It's time to get young. Who's young that you're excited about right now? Maybe Rager, but who else? Who else is really showing superstar potential? I just think that we see what this team is. Hopefully we see some moves. Well, he brought up an interesting point that we've kind of touched on a little bit, but he threw out other names. Ertz, I would definitively try to trade. What about Graham? I don't know if some team is willing to pay him the contract at his age. Not that he's bad, but does he have much of a market? Uh, I don't know, but if somebody called you and said, we want Brandon Graham, I mean, you're right. He just signed a pretty big deal, which I was against, by the way. If, if I like Brandon called, Graham, but he feels like Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah. Like, good guy, great locker room guy, which, you know, that's the problem they ran into with Malcolm Jenkins. They didn't want to pay a guy that was going to turn into Andrew McCutcheon. Well, one thing the caller touched on was the defensive line's not getting it done, and before this Pittsburgh Steelers game, it was leading the league in sacks. So They're I think, third right now. Yeah, I, I think the D-line is... Fine, but I, I bring it and back. Again, just like the wide receiver I just said, you're not going to get five sacks every game. Some weeks you're going to get five. One week you might get one. You can't hold them to five every week. Right, and the problem is with this You system, need five. Yeah, you do. But I, I want to bring it back to something I said with PT. Heading into the season, I truly feel like we convinced ourselves that this would all work. We we both thought that Jalen Mills would be better at the safety position. That didn't really work out as planned. And a quick trigger on a move-in because of what happened with Devontae Maddox. But I just feel we thought that some of these players were better than what they were. And we fooled ourselves. All right, let's hear some more. I got a serious question for you. And feel free to call me a false Eagles fan. Do you want the Eagles to win the division this year? Because I just got done watching the Giants-Dallas game, and I pretty much just watched a crowd of 25,000 Dallas fans die watching Dak get injured. I hope he gets better. It's just a joke with this division. It, they had a hard time with the Giants. The Giants almost won that game. It just seems ridiculous, and I'd like to get your opinion. That's an interesting question. Do you even want them to win the division? Easy answer. Yes, because Carson Wentz has not played a playoff game yet. Easy answer. That's the only reason why I would care. Yeah, I, I would say, look, I get we all understand the division's bad. So get in, play your playoff game, whatever. Look, we haven't seen the team play with a full arsenal of weapons on offense. We know the defense is up and down, up and down. If you get in, you don't know. Yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, winning a Super Bowl, no, it would never be about that. And and for the people who are like, I don't want to make it because then Jeffrey Laurie and Howie Rosen no, would I think that I this don't ever think yeah, that. Six, nine, and one winning the division. Yeah, they think they're and great. And seeing that the rest of the teams in the division are 2-14 and 14 and 3-13, and 13, no, I don't think they'll have any delusions of grandeur that they're better than their 6-9-1, and 7-8-1 and one record would suggest they are. Right. It comes down to Wentz, though. Wentz needs to experience a playoff game. He's, what, 28 years old and he hasn't played a playoff game? Yes, I want them to win the division. 
Teddy over here, the issue with the Eagles is like every week is a different uh, team, right? The only consistent is like we don't have great receivers and we don't have a running game. We used to have LeGarrette Blount and Ajayi, and we made it to the Super Bowl. Right now we have a bunch of small backs. Miles Sanders is the one that is uh, keeping up. All the other ones, they just come and go. So we need to start the running game and, and provide better receivers for Carson Wentz, and we definitely need to fix the cornerbacks on the defense side. Cornerback side, need help there, definitely. Um, they Well, I don't know. Slay, you would think that Slay, he's played well. Yes. I mean, Slay has played pretty well. Avante Maddox, the question about Mills. Do you just move Mills back to corner and Maddox then goes to the slot? We I, talked about that with Checo. I think so. And even Checo mentioned maybe Avante Maddox to safety because you did see him play limited time there before. I, I just don't know if his size I think size you play works. Parks at safety yeah. if he's right there. Um, they opened up the 21-day window on Parks today, so he might be closer to becoming back. Miles Sanders was brought up. I actually saw some uh, people not bashing Miles Sanders, but is he what you thought he would be, and is that a product of Doug Peterson going away from Well, the I'll say this. I drafted Miles Sanders in the first round of my fantasy draft and benched him. the last. Now, last week it bit me. But he really had the 74-yard touchdown run. Other than that, he didn't do anything. Is that so a for of the O-line? To say that I drafted a guy in my fantasy league, I know fantasy and reality are not the same, but I don't have the confidence in Like, how many people sit their first-round pick? You just play him. You just keep playing. I sat him for James Robinson. Yeah, I- I'm with you. I mean, there's so much that goes into fact. I think they though. could use him better. Okay, more passing game stuff? You could use him more out of the backfield. I think they can use Boston Scott more out of the backfield. Um, I definitely think that they can utilize their backs catching the ball a lot more. Is this a product of the O-line and Doug Peterson? I think it's a little bit of a product that Wentz is not very accurate hitting those guys out of the backfield. That's true. I mean, he is not good hitting. How many times do we see Sanders swinging out of the backfield and Wentz misses him? Happened in the playoff game last year. Happened a couple times uh, this year already where Sanders comes out of the back for whatever reason. Wentz and him just have not been on the same uh, wavelength. Yeah, him and Ertz. As well. All right, Sports Bass Live, 97.3 ESPN. We've got uh, five to wrap it all up. we got baseball tonight, double dip. we got football tonight. And you can hear that all right here on 97.3 ESPN. We'll have the football game for you coming up at 6.30, followed by Rays and Astros. Game three. Who's pitching for the Rays tonight? Just about to look everything up for our five. Yarball going tonight. Does that move the needle for you? Mm, bullpen game. They go bullpen game tonight. They can. They have guys who throw 100 miles per hour. <laughs> they got nine of them. They line up uh, Meadows, Arrows, Arena, Lau. Ian Anderson's pitching for the Braves. Mickey Moniak's dropping fly balls in left field. <laughs> Joey Wendell's in the lineup. Your boy's not in the lineup today. G-Man. Nope. I or told G- you. He doesn't play all the time. No, I know he doesn't play all the time, but G-Man, come on. Diaz, Wendell. That's a good team, man. Good team. All right, five next. Wake up weekday mornings from 6 to 10 with Keyshawn, J. Will, and Subin on 97.3 ESPN. Five question time now brought to you by PropSwap, where America buys and sells sports bets. Check them out online at PropSwap.com. All right, here we go. Five questions. What do we got? Derrick Henry 
over under 99 and a half rushing yards. That's a big number. I know, right? That's the over under. I'm just going to clarify that that was what I looked at, but that seems high. I'll go. Uh, I mean, I know he's very good, but I mean, he's their offense. Yeah, I, I'll go under. I mean, I like this. Uh, I like this Bills defense. Yeah, me too. Let me just check real quick. I mean, that's absolutely crazy, right? While I do that, over under is set at 52 as a total. Do you like it? Over under? Um, not necessarily. Teams on Tuesday have happened twice. They've hit under both times. So what are you thinking? A little under action? Uh, I think I was very clear. 52. <laughs> You're right. Under. I, I'm trying to look up these this this over-under on uh, Derrick Henry. It just blows my mind, but I just looked at it. All right, here we are. Rushing yards. 99? 99 and a half. Wow. All right. Wow. I All feel right. like he hasn't had that big game yet. Maybe that's what they're anticipating tonight. Buffalo. Favored by three. Titans at home. The dog. Uh, Buffalo's favored by three? Yeah. They were favored against the, the Raiders on the road, and I was a little sketchy about that, and they won that game. I feel like they got one of these. Although the Titans, man, I don't, I'm going to take the Titans at home. That's a good team. How they, They're they undefeated underdog. Maybe because of what's happening, you know, like all these players, COVID. Yeah, that's a good point. We had BMOC on earlier, and he talked about there's a couple key guys that are missing uh, for the Titans defense. Raise Astros. Do they go up 3-0? I think they do. Yeah, let's go. I hope so. Yeah, you're anti-Astros. Cheaters. Yeah, they are the cheaters. I just And I, I really do enjoy the Rays. I like the Rays. I don't want to make it all about the Astros. I like the Rays. Braves, Dodgers. I'm going to go, uh, oh, man, no Kershaw tonight, right? Yeah. Ian Anderson? Yeah. Braves.